This morning we're going to continue our series, uh, taking another look at Christmas, the Christmas story revisited. And um, last week we we looked at Christmas, um, um, or a couple weeks ago we looked at Christmas uh, past and things like that. And and I think that it's important that we realize that um, as we look at our message today, once again, we have to remember that Christmas is a, such a special holiday or all around the world. And we discussed this a little bit last week with, uh, with our study last week. And so today as we, we look at this, I want you to open up to the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. And we'll be looking, usually we're in one book of the Bible, we're in Corinthians right now, but for Christmas we took a little break and we're kind of revisiting um, the Christmas story. And last week we looked at the idea of um, uh, different um, aspects of the Christmas story. We looked at the pregnancy of Mary. We looked at how Joseph discovered the pregnancy and then Mary visiting Elizabeth. And we talked about really uh, what, it, what it meant to them. So many times we think of the Christmas story and we look at it and we say, wow, this is just amazing because we look at the angels and we look at the little baby and we look at everything on the good side. But can you imagine being a 14-year-old girl and being pregnant out of wedlock (laughs) in such a land as that back then? That was not a good thing. And so we looked at how disappointments are opportunities to worship Mary used that as she embraced the, the, the pregnancy out of wedlock and understood, well, this is God's child, and, and God greeted her as such. And then we looked at Joseph, and we said, you know what? Disappointments are opportunities for us to trust the Lord. So many times when things happen in a negative way in our lives, we look at them and say, oh, God, get me out of this. But we fail to remember that God is sovereign. Amen? Amen. And even the bad things in our lives come from his hand, and we don't always understand that, and from our perspective, they may seem tragic, or they may seem um, bad or disappointing, but you know what? God uses those for opportunities to make us who he desires us to be, and then the third thing we looked at last week was Mary visiting Elizabeth, and we said that sometimes God gives us disappointments because he wants us to have opportunity to what? Encourage others. How many times have you dealt with something in your life and you're going through it and you don't understand why and yet years later you find yourself talking to somebody and you're actually encouraging them because you're giving them your testimony. You know what? I understand exactly what you're going through because I went through it. And you know what? I felt the same way you do right now. And there's nothing wrong with feeling that way but please understand that God has a purpose. God has a plan in this tragedy or in this bad news or in this disappointing time in your life. And God will turn it around. And you can look back on your own life and see where God has allowed things in your life that just blow you away. And at the time you're thinking, wow, like a cage-rattling trial, how is this ever going to turn around for God's good? And yet now you're sitting here this morning going, yeah, I remember that. I remember the feelings I had. And yet now God has proven himself faithful once again. And so today we want to look at the idea of defeating discouragement, defeating discouragement. 
You know, Christmas is a time where a lot of people get discouraged. They get overwhelmed. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's times when you feel in, uh, inconvenienced. You feel maybe uh, displaced at times. But God may have something unique in store for you when you are going through those feelings. And so I don't want you to get discouraged with your expectations and when they're not met. We always have expectations before God, and sometimes they aren't met in the way we think they should be met. But I just want to encourage you to keep on going. Make sure that you take time to see God's plan for your life. He wants you to to flourish in Christ. And so I think one of the the worst parts, before we read our text this morning, one of the worst parts about traveling for the holidays, I just dropped off the girls this morning at the airport. They're going back as a Christmas gift to see uh, the Pioneer Woman's Place or something. I don't know. They're in, somewhere in Oklahoma. That's all I know. And I put them on the plane, and, and hopefully they'll get there. And, and um, you know... It was kind of crazy. I mean, Gabby couldn't sleep last night. She was all excited, and Sophia was sick, and, you know, Crystal was trying to sleep, and it was, uh, it was kind of an interesting evening. And then this morning, bright and early, 5 o'clock, got them to the airport, and uh, we haven't heard anything, so Mason and I are assuming they're there, you know. Uh, they're not due to get there until this afternoon, but still. When you travel on the holidays, um, you know, when you're in a place that's not your home, I don't know about you, but I just don't feel good about that. I don't like to generally travel for the holidays. I like to be in my own house on Christmas morning or the house at least of my family on Christmas morning. I mean, the thought of being in a hotel on Christmas morning, just like, oh, that's just disgusting to me. <laughs> and it's nice to stay at home because you know that you know, you're as nice as the vacation may be, but when you're home, there's something about being in the privacy of your own home because you have your own routine. You know where the coffee is. You know where your toothbrush is. You know where the bathroom is. And all that stuff kind of makes you feel comfortable. It makes you feel, what, safe. And when you're traveling, you know, you wake up in a hotel and you're like, okay, you get up to go to the restroom in the middle of the night. It's like, well, wait a minute, no, I'm not at home. <laughs> I can't go left. There's a wall there. What do I do, you know? Um, and, and so it's just unnerving sometimes. See, the Christmas story doesn't give us those comfortable and safe feelings. It's a story of people who were really subjugated to an invading army, the Romans. Um, their routines were in upheaval. Our main characters, Mary and Joseph, really got displaced from their home. They had to make a long journey to a place they didn't know. I asked my wife this morning, are you excited about your trip? She's like, I don't know. I've never been to Tulsa, Oklahoma. And last night, we were all watching live PD because... Because Sophia wanted to watch live PD. So, and guess where they were at? Tulsa, Oklahoma. <laughs> and they're like, well, we're going there. Well, let's, hopefully we're staying in the right area. I said, I don't know. You made the reservations. I'm sure they'll be fine. But they're going to a place they don't know. And that's a little unnerving. And yet Mary and Joseph had the same thing happen to them. 
And in this period of discomfort in their lives, we see, as we look at the scriptures, as we'll read this in a moment, we see the plan of God moving forward. And it was like a plan unlike any other before it. And you would never have put this together if you were counseling Mary and Joseph during the time of their crisis. You wouldn't have sat down and said, oh, here's how it's going to work out because you wouldn't have known that. And so as you turn to the the gospel of Luke, chapter 2, I just want to read verses 1 to 7 for us, and we're going to be reading a couple different verses, or different uh, texts this morning. But Luke chapter 2, and we'll be reading verses 1 to 7. And I would ask you to stand in honor of God's word this morning as as we read it, and then you can have a seat. You've been sitting, sitting for a while. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius, the governor of Syria, was the governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house of of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the end. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would bless it to our hearts and our hearing this morning. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. If you look at your outline there, the first point, that you should have listed there, is God wants to use your loss of rights for his glory. So many times we think we have all these rights, but really we don't in Christ. Um, We have a right to obey him, (laughs) but it's not really a right, it's it's a command. And if you think about this, think back with me, because the promised land had been given to the Israelites by God. He gave it to them. And here, centuries later, what happens is the Romans come, they conquer them, and they brought them under their their leadership, their rule. They brought them under their empire. And that meant, basically, Rome could tax them as much as they wanted. Kind of like in California. (laughs) Uh, They tax us as much as they want. I mean, you would think with the gas tax we have, we would be driving on roads of glass. But they're far from it. Trust me. And so Rome could tax them all they wanted. And and this is a a political climate. This This is a time where Christmas, this first Christmas took place. It wasn't, you know, everybody partying, everybody having a good time. There was this kind of a a dark time for the Jewish people because they weren't free. They were under the rule of Rome. And yet, when you look throughout history, throughout their history, God has constantly worked in the darkness, even sometimes behind the scenes, to bring about Israel's deliverance. And you know what? It's not because Israel delivered, it d- deserves it. Of all people, they, they probably deserve it the least. But why does he deliver them? Because he what? He chose them to be his people. And he loves them and he cares for them. 
They clearly weren't a perfect people. They messed up all the time. Yet throughout their history, God constantly works in the darkness, behind the scenes, to bring about their deliverance. And even when his people, Israel, had lost all their, their rights as a nation, God worked miraculously in their midst. He worked miraculously through Joseph in the Old Testament, delivering his family out of a famine. Remember that? How God delivered his whole fam- family from the famine? Um, he worked miraculously through the Israelites who were, remember when they were enslaved in Egypt? He took them to the promised land. That was a dark time for them. And now, through the Israel, who's subjugated to Rome here, he's bringing about the salvation of the whole world in that kind of environment. Um, you know, sometimes missionaries find themselves in this kind of situation. They find themselves in a foreign land where they're complete strangers, they don't know the language, they don't have any of the rights that a normal citizen would have. And what does that do? That limits their movement, it limits their ability to get things done for the Lord in that country that they're serving in. Yet because of that, they can often find a position of influence that maybe the locals don't have. Sometimes as a foreigner, people will listen to you more. Why? Because they see that their message costs them something. In other words, when you leave America and you go to a foreign land to share the gospel, those people are scratching their heads saying, what are you here for? We've been trying to go to America for years, the land of opportunity, the home of the free and the brave, and you're coming to us? You're giving up all those freedoms, and you're coming all the way over here across the ocean? Boy, this message that you want to share with us must be something. And they're intrigued by your presence there. And the missionary's words carry weight. You think of the kennels who served down in Papua New Guinea for years, 30-plus years, faithfully ministering to a tribe of people who no one, they didn't even, nobody knew their language. They got there, and they were the first people to walk into that tribe and to minister to those people. And now 30-plus years later, that people, that tribe has the Word of God, the Old, the New Testament, in their own language, which the kennels created for them, (laughs) learned what they were saying and and put the word of God down, written for them. And a majority of that tribe now are believers. It's amazing. But see, it came at great cost. It came at a cost of probably having their kids in some, you know, boarding school somewhere for school. I mean, as a parent in America, we think, wow, you would send your kids away to boarding school for high school? What kind of parent would do that? Well, the kind of parent that would do that would be a parent that needs to sacrifice, go to a foreign land where maybe it's not safe for their children to be there. And so guess what? They see their children maybe at Easter time and Christmas. What a sacrifice that is. We forget what our missionaries do sometimes. But they find themselves in the exact exact same situation and their words carry weight because of their hardships and their sacrifices Um, you know we don't always feel like worshiping 
when we're met with disappointment, do we? That's kind of the last thing we want to do. But that's this hidden option that we have available to us as believers. Because disappointment, we know, gives us a chance to grow not only stronger in our faith, but closer to God in a very real way, in a very practical way. The greatest work God wants to do in our world will often come about because of people's proper response to disappointment. And so we need to be reminded of that. We choose to worship as believers rather than complain. Or we should. We get to be part of those great moves of God that maybe we don't even see coming. We have the opportunity to worship God with our actions, with our words, to worship him through giving to others, to worship him through loving the unlovable, to worship him by praising him, by focusing our attention on God instead of ourselves. That's what we're called to do. That's what God desires of us. And so God wants to use your loss of rights, whatever they may be, for his for his glory. Well, the second point here we see in verses 4 to 5 is that God has a journey for you, just like he did for Mary and Joseph. You know, things went from bad to worse for Mary and Joseph when you think about it. Now they found themselves displaced from their home by this taxation issue. They had to go and report and register to pay their taxes. It wasn't a vacation. They weren't going on vacation when they, they went. I mean, who would take their, their pregnant wife on this kind of a vacation, riding on a donkey somewhere, and they don't even know where they're going? What, they, what dangers they would face. They didn't have any place to stay. And they, made, they had to make this intense journey while Mary was, we know, in the last stages of her pregnancy. I mean, how many of you women, when you're in the last stages of your pregnancy, the one thing that you wanted to do is go on a donkey ride somewhere? I don't think so. I mean, I think that would be the last thing on your list. I mean, Mary's life was thrown completely off balance by this. I mean, I can imagine her and Joseph having this conversation. You know, we have to go and and register, and you have to come. And it's like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me, Joseph? How is this going to work? I mean, there's so many issues about that. I mean, this poor woman probably wanted to eat and vomit at the same time, and yet she's got to ride this donkey somewhere. And while traveling, it would have made impossible for her to get comfortable, even though she was sitting down. I mean, it would be exhausting. And at this point in Mary and Joseph's life, everything was in upheaval. They're worrying about what people are thinking. We're not com- completed the marriage yet, and yet you're pregnant. All this stuff is happening. They have all these things running through their mind. Everything was changed. Yet, what did God call them to do? God called them to keep moving and what? To fulfill the purpose God had for them in Bethlehem. He had a purpose for them to go there. This small Little city was a critical part of the promise that God had made long ago about the coming Messiah's birth. 
the, the great big plan of God required this journey of them. And sometimes in our lives, God puts a journey before us and we're not ready for it and we're scratching our heads. I don't know how I'm going to get through this, but you know what? We don't see what's on the other side. Psychologists say that there's a model called the learning zone model and it, it, it purposes that there are three zones in experiences. There's the comfort zone, the learning zone, and the panic zone. <laughs> Probably most of us spend our time in the panic zone most of the time. Um, see, in the comfort zone and the panic zone, you know, there's, there's no learning or growth that takes place. You're just, it's just raw emotion, raw response. Growth only takes place between the two opposites of comfort and panic in the middle, they say. And see, sometimes we have the false conception that if God is leading us, the journey is going to be easy peasy. It's going to be so simple. We're going to be comfortable. We're going to be healthy. We're going to be wise. And you know what? It's all going to make sense. It's going to make complete sense. If, God, if God's purpose is before us, you know, it's, it has to make sense. If it doesn't make sense, you're making a mistake. But look at anyone that God has ever done an amazing work through when you stop and you think about this, and you'll see hardship. It's outside the comfort zone that God works, in the learning zone. That's where he uses people for his greater good. See, God's journey for our life is a, is a struggle because it takes us from our, what, our place of comfort to the place that God has for us. We may be robbed of comfort. We may be robbed of convenience. But as believers, guess what? There's no, there's no reason to complain. There's no reason to panic. Because you know what? God has a purpose. God has a reason for that discomfort. The journey positions us to see God's promises fulfilled. See, we can be sure that if God has a journey planned for us, if he has a journey planned for us, guess what? He's going to go with us, along with us, along the way. More than that, the scripture says that he'll not only go with us, but he will literally prepare the way for us to go. He will prepare the way for us to go. Have you ever taken a journey where it wasn't, necessarily pleasant and maybe it wasn't all that you thought it would be um, I know my nephew and I a long time ago when I was in college we went on a um, ski vacation over Christmas time and my nephew who was just I don't even know if he was in high school yet, but I think he was in high school. He flew out to LAX, and uh, I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be so much fun, you know. And we'll go to Park City, and we'll go to uh, Montana, and we'll go all these places skiing. We did. But I remember, had all these big plans, and then the night I was to pick him up at LAX, I had to work. I worked at an arcade when I was in college. It was called 2001 Spacecade. 
weirdest place to work, let me tell you. You know, it was owned by a Christian. And this is back when they had like the, you know, you'd have quarter machines and tokens. And, and he didn't have any tokens. He just, he had, the machines were set up with quarters. And so he came up with this plan that, you know, when he had the grand opening that he would give everybody four quarters if they brought a friend. And he realized after the first day they were just taking the quarters and leaving. They weren't putting them in the machines. <laughs> so then, listen to this. So then by the second night, he had this plan because it was open like from three after school into the night. He had this plan where we had to sit down and he had us come in early and we had to take nail polish and, and, and paint little X's on all the quarters so he knew that they were his quarters. And then before the kids left the, the space cave, we had to search them and make sure they didn't take... It was so bizarre. I mean, you'd probably be thrown in jail today if you did this, right? But, you know, we went through this whole, this whole thing, this whole plan, and it was just so, so crazy. And so I had to work the night I was to pick my nephew up in LAX. And this was before cell phones, mind you. And I remember driving up I-5 at like 11.30, knowing he's going to get in at like two or something, I don't know, some weird time, or maybe it was four in the morning, he, he got in, he was flying from the west, or the east coast, and uh, I just remember, I got a late start from uh, where I was, was staying, down in San Diego, and I'm thinking, oh, just a, you know, an hour or so, I'll be at LAX, well, it took a lot longer, I just didn't judge anything correct, I was tired because I hadn't slept in for like 36 hours, because I had finals, I had all this stuff, and I was working, and I remember I was drinking, somebody gave me some herbal tea. And I thought, oh, just drink this herbal tea and it'll be, you know, it'll keep you awake, it's everything. Well, I put the tea and it was the loose tea. And they gave me that little screen thing, you know, closes. Well, I stuck it in the, you know, the big thing of water, put it in there and I'm shaking it up. Well, it came open. So as I'm drinking this tea driving up Highway 5, I start getting sick to my stomach. Because I'm ingesting all these tea leaves. And I'm thinking, wow, what kind of tea is this, you know? So I had to stop at like a Denny's. That's the only place it was open. And go in and take care of things. And got back in my car. Anyway, I was like three hours late picking up my nephew. My brother's livid because his son's like in LAX by himself. I get there and like security meets me. And they're like, oh, you're the guy that's waiting for the... <laughs> supposed to be waiting for your nephew. And, and the, the whole trip just turned out up to that point, to be a disaster. I mean, it was just a disaster. And I thought, wow, I don't even know if we should go now. My brother was mad at me, all this stuff. Anyway, we went on this trip, and it, was, it, it ended up being a wonderful trip. But sometimes when you take a trip or you, 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 you plan something, it doesn't always turn out necessarily the way that you want it to. And even though you've prayed about it and you've done all the work, sometimes God has a purpose. He has a plan for putting a roadblock here or putting a roadblock there. Um, and so it's, it's really important to realize that when we, when we take these journeys that God opens up for us, just like he did Mary and Joseph, that he's going to walk right beside us. And you know what? If you haven't been on a journey yet with God, get ready because you will be. You will be because that's what the Christian life is. It's all about taking a journey with the Lord. Well, the third thing here, the third point, is that God has a place for you. God has a place for you. Um, we read there in verses 6 and 7 of, of Luke 2 there, it says what? There was no, there was no room. Um, while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. I mean, really, Mary? Come on. 
I mean, we're not even home and you're going to give birth to our first son. We don't have a place to stay. We don't have anything. And it says, she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, which is, we know what a manger is, right? It's like a feeding trough. Not a real clean place. Definitely not a sterile place. I mean, those of us who are kind of weird about those things, there'd be no way I would let my firstborn child be born in a manger. I mean, it just it wouldn't happen. You know, there's no doTERRA to spray the on guard or anything, you know, all these germs. I mean, I would be losing it. But there they are. And it says she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. There was no room for God. There was no room for God. There was no room for Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us in the inn. That's probably a little more important point than having no room for Joseph and Mary. Would you agree? When you get to the point in your life where you say, there's no room for Jesus in my life, you got a problem, a deep problem. It's easy for us to kind of laugh at this or scoff at it, that the innkeeper or his family wouldn't give Mary and Joseph an indoor room for such a special birth. Well, guess what? They didn't know. They're like everybody else. Some pregnant couple. Look at this silly couple. You know, they went on this journey. She's pregnant. Who would do that? What a horrible husband he must be. And then he doesn't even have a reservation for a hotel. What kind of person would do this? I mean, how could there possibly be a place that was perfect, though? Say they got a room in the inn. Would that have been okay for, for Christ, the God child, to be born in? I don't think so. I mean, we're talking about the very God who created us here. How could there possibly be any place on this earth for such an event? And see, I think God is just showing us that that's not what it's about. I mean, what earthly accommodation would ever be adequate enough for the birth of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ? I mean, of course there was no room for them. Nothing like this in the history of the world has ever happened before. Or you know what? Would ever happen again. It's a singular moment that God is using for his glory. It's God-inspired. See, as believers, our lives should frequently feel like there's no room for us in the end. We should never fully fit in to this world. Because why? Because our lives are God-inspired. Just like the birth of Christ was God-inspired. We're not at home here because we weren't created for this world. See, we fail to understand that. We buy into the bag of goods that says, oh, this world's all that you're going to get. I mean, even in Christian, you know, you go into the local Christian bookstores and you see books that's all about life now. Your best life now. Well, that's not what it's about. We don't live for now. 
We live for all eternity. We're not at home in this world because we weren't created to be in this world forever. This world can't fully contain our purpose that God has planned for us. See, we should have a hard time fitting into the box of this world. Really, I think we should feel uncomfortable here as believers. I mean, that's really what Scripture tells us, that we're sojourners, that we're foreigners. We're just passing through this. We sing the hymn, right? This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. We should have a difficult time being at home here on this side of glory. And yet, I'll just ask you, is that true? I would say most, for most of us, the answer is no. Why? We love the comfort of our home. We enjoy our, our job. We enjoy our house. We enjoy our family here. We, we, we don't have some death wish. We don't want to leave And yet, I think sometimes we fit in here a little too well. And we forget that there's all eternity before us that we're going to be spending with our Lord and Savior and with other loved ones who've gone on before us in glory. Not just a week, not just a month, not just a year, not just 10 years, 100 years, 1,000 years. Hundreds of thousand years, not a million years, not a billion years, not a trillion years. For all eternity, we will be in that place. And so on this side, we're going to say, wow, we have to put up with all this? <laughs> and when we honestly look at the other side, for all eternity, we will be there. Don't put your trust, your faith in things of this world. Don't feel at home here. You shouldn't feel at home here as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. You've probably seen the movie Elf <laughs> with Will Ferrell. And you know the story. His character was a baby. He accidentally climbed into Santa's toy bag, and he was brought back to the North Pole. And they decided to keep him rather than take him back home. And for the rest of his early childhood... And into adulthood, he was raised like an elf. It's a fun movie. If you haven't seen it, you should watch it. It's on TV now. Well, he, he quickly, as you can imagine, outgrew the, the elf world, right? Elves are little tiny people. Well, he wasn't. Why did he outgrow the elf world? Because he wasn't what? He wasn't an elf. <laughs> he was just raised as an elf. He was born different. And while it felt like he was being rejected because he wasn't like everyone else, or it felt like there was no room for him because he was so big, <laughs> guess what? He was born to live a life different than that of the elves. Now, we aren't humans living in an elf world, but we are eternal creatures living in a temporary world. I would challenge and say, you know what, we, we don't fit in. We won't fit in here because we, 
We were born for something different. We were born again for something different. Do you ever feel out of place? Do you ever feel like there's, there's no perfect fit for you in this world? You don't know what God has called you to do? You feel out of place? Well, that's good. It's good to feel out of place here. You're in good company. And when you follow God down the new blazing trail that he has for you, you're visiting territories no one has ever seen before. So you know what? There's not going to be a place here for you in this world. Nor should you desire one. The good news is that God is preparing a place for us now. God also calls the hearts of believers to prepare room for him too, though. The key to all of this is what? It's humility. It's dying to ourselves, realizing that there's a greater purpose here at stake. God calls the hearts of believers to prepare room for him. Humility before God, humility before others. It means trusting God enough so that you can be who he created you to be. And trusting God enough to make him make you brave enough to stay on that new path that he has for you. You don't need to blend into this world. You don't, you know, people always say, well, don't you want to be culturally relevant? Not really. Why? What would be the purpose? See, we must not conform to what might feel comfortable in order to find a predetermined place that the world has created for us. And yet, that's exactly what we're tempted to do. We're tempted to conform on every, every part of life. God is constantly telling us not to do that. Don't conform to this world. But have your mind, what, transformed? That's what the Christian life is all about. Living like you're a stranger in this world. Well, your life, your life's journey will look nothing like anyone else's in closing. It, it, it won't. That's why it's very dangerous to look at somebody else and say, I want to be just like that person. Or I want to do just what that person does. Early in ministry, I learned it's, it's, it's very dangerous to try to emulate other people. I remember, actually now several pastors that I've looked up to over the years and thought, wow, I wish I had a ministry like that. I wish, as, even as a youth pastor, kind of you know, glorifying these, these, these other youth pastors who'd go to Hume Lake. You know, we'd have a youth pastor's conference up there and, and they would all be driving their brand new Suburbans and, you know, they would have all this, you know, like a budget, this multiple millions of dollars for their youth ministry and, you know, their, their youth pastors from like Chuck Swindoll's church or John MacArthur's church or whatever and you're just like, whoa, these guys are like God. I mean, that's really how you felt. And they were the ones leading all the workshops and all that stuff. And I just remember thinking, wow, I just want to be like them. And now as I look back, I'm glad I wasn't. 
I mean, I can probably definitely count on one hand those guys that were put up on that pedestal who are not even in ministry anymore. They washed out. Moral failure. Something happened in their life. Whatever. They're selling insurance. They're doing whatever. It's just like, you got to be kidding me. I mean, you were the guy. What happened? <laughs> See, don't ever try to be someone else because God has a unique plan for each and every one of us. And in that great story he's telling, you play a specific role. You may not understand it right now. You have a specific purpose. You aren't called to play someone else's role. You're called to play your role. And God created you with gifts and talents that nobody else has. And there's a unique journey mapped out for you, just like there was Mary and Joseph. You have to ask yourself the question, are you going to be brave enough for that adventure? Are you going to be willing to embrace what God has for you? Even when it feels maybe your, your rights are being lost or they're being trampled on. Or maybe you're wandering down a path and you have the slightest idea where it leads to. And it's a journey of confusion. Or maybe you feel God doesn't have a place for you. Well, he does. And the key is reminding yourself of that. Reminding yourself who you are in Christ. That you're his child. That he loved you. He, he went to the cross for you. He died. He paid for your sins. Past, present, future. Surely he's not just going to throw his hands up and walk away from you. And so this Christmas season, as we think of the Christmas story, I pray more than anything else, if you're discouraged, that God will give you victory over that discouragement. That you'll be reminded that just as he did with Mary, that he is there with us. He's willing to care for us, to help us, to guide us, to lead us. And if you're here this morning and you've yet to put your faith, your trust in Christ, guess what? You're not even on the path. You're lost in the woods. And you really need to practice some humility and, and throw your hands up to God and say, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Save me from my sin. We've all sinned in a myriad of ways before a holy God. And God gives us the opportunity to embrace his forgiveness, to embrace the sacrifice of Christ that has paid completely for all of your sins. I mean, that's really the, what Christmas is all about. Sure, it's about the birth of Christ. But you know what? If Christ wasn't born, guess what? He couldn't have died. And so we need to be reminded of that. So if you're here this morning and you've yet to put your faith, your trust in Christ, I pray that maybe today would be the day that you would cry out. So then you would understand how God has a purpose and a plan for you and that he desires to use you for his glory. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray, Lord, that you would guard our hearts uh, this holiday season. And Lord, we pray that more than anything else that um, you would receive the glory and honor as we celebrate uh, Christmas together with family, with friends, that we would use this time as opportunities that we could... Um, Speak your truth into the darkness. Lord, you've called us to be light in darkness, to be salt here on the earth. And Lord, as believers, 
so many times we grow comfortable and, and we forget that that's why we're here. And so, Lord, I pray that you would remind us this holiday season, this Christmas season, that we can reach out and, and touch those lives who've yet to hear the gospel with tracks, with a kind word, a kind action, um, buying someone a cup of coffee and sharing the reason why you're doing that. And, and somehow inject the gospel, the life-giving gospel into that. Lord, I pray that more than anything else that we would be reminded that this is a time for your glory, not ours. And Lord, that you would just remind us to be faithful to the call that you've put on our lives. And Lord, we pray that you'd bless our fellowship time across the way. And as we close with a song, we just pray and ask these things in Jesus' precious name. All God's people said, amen. Amen. Let's uh,